Wow, those lights, man, I'm telling you. Good morning, Arbor. It's so good to be with you and to continue exploring the truths of God's word in Romans 8. We are understanding more about our faith as we walk step by step through this chapter. And if you've brought your Bibles or have one on your phone that you want to pull up, this would be the good time to flip over to Romans 8. And uh, we're going to see what we can learn about God's truth for our lives about our faith in the section of verses 5 through 11. So flip on over there. Uh, Cliff hit us off last week and opened the series uh, by looking at verses 1 through 4. The basics of that was that there was no condemnation now in Christ. For those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. If, uh, if you missed last week, I want to give a little context about the book of Romans, just so that we know, like, who wrote this? What was the purpose of it? Why are we just, like, extracting out this little part and examining it? Uh, the context of it is that Paul is the author, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to this big church in Rome, and it's a, a diverse church, actually. Uh, it's made up of those who had a Jewish faith, and whose moms, and grandmoms, and great-grandmoms, and everyone before them had been steeped in the Jewish law, the Mosaic law. This was how they knew that they were right with God, is by following the law. They knew that they would be in right standing with, with, with the Lord. So then there's that group who now they're, they're Christians. And then there's another group in the church. They are the non-Jewish people called Gentiles. They don't have as much quote-unquote religious baggage as uh, the Jewish believers did. Um, they're, they're ready to just accept Christ, the freedom of walking uh, with Christ, and they don't tend to go back to things like, how many times a day do I wash my hands? Can I eat shrimp? What do I do with my foreskin? <laughs> All these questions. <laughs> those... <laughs> those... <laughs> <laughs> there are some people that are like thinking a lot about those things. And then there are some people in the church, not so much. Okay, so that is the church at Rome. Here comes Paul. How do we know that this is a struggle for that church? It's because Paul spends so much time in the book of Romans talking about all those things. Are you allowed to eat things that were once forbidden? What do you do with that? part of your body, etc. So anyhow, here we go into verse 5. Um, we are going to be talking about mindset. Mindset. What is mindset first? I want to define that before we kind of explore that. We're using the Greek word for the mind, phonema. It's the contents of the things of your mind. Thoughts, purposes, motivations, okay? And our focus today is that we're asking, how does mindset affect faith? How does my mindset affect my faith? Um, and specifically, my life with God, with myself, and with others. How does the way I think affect all those relationships? I, I want to just put a little pin in that for a minute and just I, I want to respect the fact that this is a very complicated 
matter. And you may be thinking um, one half-hour discussion about this is not going to cover everything that there is to talk about mindset and faith. I acknowledge that. <laughs> I acknowledge that. Um, I know that people spend often many years trying to change the way they think and to purify their thoughts and to come closer in faith with a new mindset. So this isn't going to like be a quick fix by any means, but I think we're going to have a good understanding of mindset and how it affects our faith by the end of it. Let's jump into the passage. This is verse 5 through 8. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right, mindset, (laughs) mindset. Uh, it's actually super trending in our, in our culture today to talk about mindset. People look to change their mindset so that they can succeed financially, academically, professionally. Even competitive athletes in, uh, employ mindset coaches to help them think like a winner, right? And so that they can overcome obstacles and find success. Um, but how, how about spiritually? Can we do that as well? I think we know enough about the mind to know that the way that we think can dominate the way our day goes in our attitude, right? Like, first thing I do when I wake up, if I don't have my coffee, like, I can barely think of anything else until I get that coffee done. I'm I'm laser-focused getting to the coffee pot or the Keurig or the Nespresso, (laughs) whichever one we've got. So we know, we know what it's like to set our minds on something and have that drive us, right? Motivational speakers are harnessing this wonder and they make lots of money off of teaching competitive strategies uh, on how to overcome obstacles. Mindset is the prevailing, prevailing theme of thoughts. All other thoughts and feelings are based from this point. Your actions are based on this point. When you go to bed at the end of the day, your feelings of failure or success will be driven by how well you met the goals of your mindset that day. I checked out some of the more popular, like the, these mindset mantras is what they, they have um, as a tool or a method. It's like a repetitive statement that you make to enforce your mindset. So there are some things like, I can do hard things. I'm a winner. And my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorites was, I am a money magnet. I am a money magnet. So, of course, these are super light and funny, and, like, it's fun to poke fun a bit at these, but I also want to acknowledge there are some uh, other deeper mindsets that might be at play in our lives that drive our thoughts, feelings, and actions. For instance, some people have the mindset of being unloved. Unloved. That That is their mindset all through the day. 
So I, I don't wanna just joke and pretend like it's all fun with the money magnet, but. Um, as we drill down on mindset and examine maybe some of the ones that we're holding on to, uh, we're gonna put it through a little forensics. First thing we're gonna learn about mindset is that it affects, or sorry, it reveals our true affections. It's like a status report. It tells you if your affections are set on the theme of self or the flesh or the spirit, like our passage had talked about. Remember back in verse five, it said, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their mind on the things of the spirit. The word flesh in this um, passage is the, the Greek word sarks. And Paul uses this liberally throughout the book of Romans. In fact, in all of his epistles, he uses the word sarks. Sometimes it's to denote like human meat. Like if you're referring to something in human flesh, it's the meat. Um, other times he refers to Jesus as being God in the flesh, right? God with human meat. In this particular passage though, his usage is referring to the sinful nature. The sinful nature. Things that would, uh, so that, that sheds a little bit of light here if we reread it back using that phrase instead. Those who live according to the sinful nature set their minds on the things of a sinful nature. Um, versus those who live by the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So set their minds, that's that word, that mindset word again. It seems to be an action or a deliberate focus that you're making a choice about the things that you'll think on. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think everybody quite grasps this. In fact, I'm sort of, um, I would have put myself in this camp, especially before this week. <laughs> now I can only think about mindset because <laughs> I've been studying it. But I think most people think there's just a default, right? And they just accept whatever thoughts come in to their, into their mind. They don't examine them and change them or reframe or re ask the Holy Spirit to readjust their mindset. Um, they just kind of cruise through life, right? Not really deliberately choosing a mindset. But Paul sums it up in another letter by saying this. Colossians 3, set your mind on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. So again, it's a deliberate choice. I'm, I'm not just default, you know, taking in whatever thoughts are random in my life and letting it impact my, my whole self, I'm going to actually choose to set my mind on something. And then there's, this, there's a delineation between what you set it on. Is it gonna be the things above? Or is it gonna be the things that are earthly? That's another like way to take a forensics look at the own, your mindset that you own right now. It sounds super simple, doesn't it? <laughs> just set your mind. Just, just think about godly thoughts, right? Um, I thought about if I were to say, hey, you guys, like, let's all just re readjust how we think. 
set your mind on things above? What would those entail? I look to scripture for that, which I would think is your, your first go-to as well. If I were to say, set your mind on the things that are godly, Christ-like, what would those include? Love, joy, all the fruits, right? Unity, compassion, a heart for the poor, a heart for widows and orphans, the lost and the marginalized, So there's all those thoughts that belong up there, right? Those are the things above. And then things that are counter to that would be the earthly things, right? So using the money magnet, I'm I'm just going to use the money magnet as an example. But you can think about whatever thing you feel like predominates your own thinking. And greed is just a really easy one to dissect. But... um, Think of your own, hold, hold that maybe as I walk through what it would look like to, um, to understand the impact of greed, for example, on, our, on ourselves. If I am a money magnet as my prime focus in life, I'm amplifying the sinful nature, something that does not belong to God, right? So I'm amplifying that. I'm putting that in the spotlight of my life. We know that mindset reveals our true affections. So that mindset, as you're studying it, you'll figure out, like, is this something that's set above or something that's below? Is greed a mindset of the spirit or the self? And if I drill down in scripture, according to scripture, Jesus was not about amassing wealth right? He did not align himself with people who were in power financially. He set himself among the the poor and the marginalized. So that would kind of reveal like, oh, if I'm a money magnet, that probably doesn't line up with Christ's heart for my life. Mindset will also impact or influence our actions, If I'm a money magnet, how does mindset affect my action? It will will affect how I spend my time, right? I'm gonna create or choose environments that help build my wealth or my influence or my affluence. I'm gonna enter places like my work, the dog park, (laughs) the dinner table, the gym, and my social media, I, I'm gonna have this, this mindset about building wealth that impacts all of those environments, right? I'm gonna wanna talk with people who I can network with, who make me look successful financially. And I would say, does that also align with the heart of Christ? Is that where we saw him spending his time? Is that who he aligned with? Greed, I said before, is super easy to pick on, (laughs) for sure. It just is so evident. But if our mindset impacts our actions and those we talk with or minister to, minister to, if I'm building wealth, I'm not ministering to them, (laughs) but people I'm in in relationship with, it, it impacts that, right? More than that, though, 
It reveals our true affections. It influences my actions. And mindset also affects my satisfaction. My satisfaction. I go to bed at the end of the day. I'm evaluating, how did my day go? What does my spirit feel like right now? And I'm thinking to myself, well, did I build wealth? (laughs) How did the stock market do? If it tanked, so did my spirits. If my teenager totals the car, am I worried more about the cost that it's going to take on my bottom line? Or am I worried about, like, the impact of, of my child being at risk and how that felt during the day. When you're evaluating your mindset and thinking about your satisfactions, know that it's the Holy Spirit that meets you at the end of the day, right? He's, he's there in the dark with you and you're talking about your day and you're saying to him, Hey, Jesus, I I really want to run my mindset by you and see what you think of it. And I want you to give me like a a yes or a no on it, (laughs) right? Because I want your input in my life. I've looked at scripture. Maybe I haven't really found the answer through scripture yet. But I would love to know, like, are you stacking hands with me on on where my mind is at right now? So I'm going to say my mindset out loud to you, Lord. And then I want you to tell me how you think. I am a money magnet, <laughs> or whatever you say your, your mindset is, right? And then you're going to be like, ah, why am I so embarrassed to say that to him? It just feels dumb, you know, that I'm a money magnet, or whatever. Some mindsets, when you speak it out loud to the Holy Spirit, he's going to go, I love that. Yes, that is how I created you. That will lead you to the fullness and abundance of life that I've promised you. And some are more going to be like, eh, you know, let's work on that. (laughs) My mindset shows me where I'm at. It's going to reveal my true affection for myself or the spirit. It's going to influence my actions. It's going to affect my satisfactions. But I want you also to look, this is your theology part here. This is the part that I had a little struggle with, actually, in verse, uh, I think it's six, uh, where it says, oh, I should have brought my Bible up here. If only I could see it without glasses. Um, in your Bible, so it's, I think it's six. Um, the sinful nature is death, or the flesh is death. Okay, so I was like, wow, dude, that's so intense to say that like somebody's mindset could be death. Like I was like, do you think it leads to death? Or do you think it, it, it is death? Or it's like eventually going to end with not eternal life, so that's death? I, I drilled down on that, and scholars are like, dude, Paul said is death. These things are death. Are. Like not just at the end of your life. So like if you live your life as a money magnet, that ultimately you may not enjoy eternal life with Christ. It's saying like, no, it's not doing good things for you right now. Not just later, but like right now. So 
I looked at some of Paul's other teachings to see if, you know, scripture informs scripture, right? So you're like, does he really mean this? Where else could we learn about this? And in Galatians, I picked a different um, translation so that you guys would hear it afresh. But this is Galatians 5, um, what he says about describing life in the flesh. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, trinket gods, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never-satisfied wants, a brutal temper, impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. All these things define death. To me, when I read this, I think, that sounds like death of joy. Death of real, genuine relationship. Death of family. Death of goodness and the things that God has designed us for. So that passage is death. These things, the mindset is death. It's for now and for later. Verse seven, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So those who are operating out of their sinful nature cannot please God. How is that so? The word that uh, Paul used here is hostile, that the flesh is actually hostile to God. So if you can imagine with me for a minute that in love God is coming to you and he's saying, here, let me take your shame. Let me give you life and peace and I'll show you the way. And the flesh is like, no, that's cool. No, I have got it. No, I don't want it. I like doing things my own way. I do. I would prefer, even if I'm wrong, I would rather do it my own way than do it your way. It's more than just Jesus saying, I have a better way for you to live and for the flesh to reject that. He's saying like, actually, I am the life. He who, who wants to come to the Father comes through me. And the flesh is like super hostile. Probably has a gesture in there that I will not do here on stage. And I like practiced in the mirror. I was trying to drum up my meanest, most hostile tone of voice to be like, you know, indicating no consent or to be, you know, with gestures. And I couldn't do it really. I could just say... <laughs> No, I've got this. No, don't tell me what to do. I got this myself. Okay, that's as hostile as I can get. (laughs) But the hostility and resistance to God's ways is what keeps someone from faith in Christ and keeps the spirit from indwelling them. Verse eight says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And the more I studied that this week, the more I wondered, do they even want to? 
Setting the mind on the spirit, though, is life and peace. Is. Not just leads to life and peace, but is. Now and for later. Okay? So the contrast of all that ugliness with the hostility and me being all like, so intense. <laughs> uh, the contrast of that, though, is this Zoe, which is the Greek word for life that he is offering us. Zoe. It's life, real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed both now after the, and after the resurrection to last forever. So that is what he's promising those who walk in the spirit and set their mind on the spirit. It's that Zoe life now and forever. That's the contrast. So we have life, we have peace as well. Uh, Hundreds of years before Paul wrote Romans, there was a prophet named Isaiah and he talked about this mindset leading to peace. He says about the Lord, You will keep him in perfect peace, he whose mind is stayed on you. Stayed on, laser focused. My mind is set on the things of Christ. It is set on the things above, not of the earth. I've got life in that and I've got peace in that. The interesting thing about the more you walk with the Lord, the more you submit your ways to him, set your mind on him, he actually is able to rework your mind. It sounds like mind control and all the skeptics and cynics are like super creeped out and all that by that. But scripture tells us that he is reshaping us, right? He's conforming us to his image. That includes the way that we think, our thought life. Isn't that just such an amazing promise? His thoughts become our thoughts. His heart becomes our heart. We start caring about the things that he cares for. Now when I look at people, I don't look at them through, like I'm a money magnet and I'm trying to like just network you and have you be a client of mine. I like, I love you. I want to care for you. I want to encourage you and walk with you in this faith life with me. That's like faith friendship here. It's not just using somebody for your own, your own greed. So the mind of Christ, this is why this, this sermon is like just a drop in the bucket. The mind of Christ is such a beautiful thing to study and explore and pursue. Um, but all I got to tell you today is it's worth it. It's worth doing. Our actions also and our satisfactions get rewired as well. All of a sudden, we're more about God's glory, the good of others, than we are about just the good for ourselves. Think about entering the dog park (laughs) or the schoolyard or your workplace or wherever your environments are during the day if your mindset was different. Instead of money magnet, what if you were like, I'm blessed to be a blessing? Or more of him and less of me? Or this is one of my favorites. I I use this a lot. This is more of like a uh, uh, rubric for decision making, actually. Um, What does love require of me? 
What does love require of me? That is how I enter almost every day in activity and interaction or decision. What does love require of me? With those kinds of mindsets, I think you enter the dog park differently. I think you enter a room and you're ready to serve rather than to be served, right? I think you're ready to befriend people and not network them. So our actions change, our satisfaction changes, and it's called peace. It's called peace. Why is that? It's because we're centered now in the will he has for our lives. We're like aligned there. We found our way, right? Now in the dark of night, when I go to bed at night, and I'm like, Lord, I'm going to say my mindset to you. I want you to tell me what you think of this. More of you and less of me. Do you? I mean, he's going to like waste stack hands on that, right? Like, yes, yes, you've got it. Or live loved, right? That's like walking in God's love for you every day. He's going to be like, yes, yes, that's a foundational mindset that is going to breathe life and peace for you. Okay, so let's go on. Um, I, I love this. I... I found this in the Galatians passage. Remember I was reading you all the like broken death things? <laughs> so this is the part that talks about the spirit. It's in that same translation, which is the message. What happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much as the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, and serenity. Isn't that amazing? Love that. Okay, so moving on, I want to finish our passage, and then I'm going to tell you what these flashlights are here for. So uh, to finish the passage, verse 9, we had just heard that people who are in the flesh cannot please God, right? But then he continues, and he says, Christians, Arbor, (laughs) you are not in the flesh. You're in the spirit, In fact, if in fact the Spirit of God lives in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Isn't this amazing news, you guys? This is so great. If Christ is in us, life and peace. If Christ is in us, life and peace now and for eternity. Gifts appearing like fruit in an orchard, exuberance of life and affection for others, serenity. (laughs) How great is that? Um, in closing, I want to talk about these little flashlights. One of them is you. One of them is you and your mindset, I should say. I want you to know that they're all designed for shining light. Let's say that God created them. Their purpose was to be held in his hand in partnership with him on a lifetime of adventures, shining his love and light to a dark world. 
This flashlight will help others find and follow Jesus. It's perfectly weighted, sized for that particular purpose, to shine brightly in a dark world, held safely in his hands. One of them is absolutely empty though, absolutely empty. Even if I push the button, nothing happens. <laughs> Had to double check. <laughs> okay, nothing happened. <laughs> it's, it's not happening. Its purpose is unfulfilled because the batteries aren't inside, right? Batteries are representing God's spirit. It's dark. It's unfulfilled. But you know what? It actually had a choice. The flesh is hostile to God's way, right? It's saying like, no, thanks. No, I got it. I'll do it myself. I'd rather do it wrong and do it myself than do it your way. So it stays without its batteries. Its purpose is unfulfilled. Even if the Lord says, hey, have an invitation for you. I wanna walk with you. If you give me your emptiness, we can do life together and you're gonna shine. It's like, ah, uh, no thanks. Have to pick the right one next. <laughs> There's another one though, here. It receives the same invitation. Hey, I love you. I can't wait to see you shine. If you give me your emptiness and let, you, let me fill you with my spirit, there's so much beauty ahead. And this one is like, yes, yes. I hate being a dark, empty flashlight. Is it gonna work? <sighs> this one is fulfilling its purpose. Life and peace are pouring from it. Brilliant splendor. Others are able to find and follow Jesus because the light shines so beautifully. Purpose fulfilled. Then there's a third one. It's also asked the same question from the Lord. Hey, I love you. Let's do life together. I cannot wait to see you shine. Let me take your emptiness and fill you with my spirit. And this one is like, yes, I would be a fool not to. <laughs> so... Wait for it. <laughs> okay. So it's like, yes, I want that. But something's not working. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's not shining the way that it was intended. God's spirit is inside. I'm gonna lift off its little mind for a minute. Something was blocking the light. It's the I was a money magnet, right? Let's see what happens if you remove some faulty mindset. Able to shine, right? So there are three flashlights here. One of them is you. 
is probably clearly evident, <laughs> but let me just rehearse. One, no thanks. I got this. I'm doing it my way. Empty, not shining, just hostile, right? The other one, my goodness, this one was so easy. <laughs> this one was like, yes, yes, let's fill me, fill me, and it's shining just so brightly. The other one struggle bust a little bit, right? There was something in the way of it shining and fulfilling its purpose wholly. It had the potential, it had the ability to shine because it had God's spirit in there, but there was something that needed to be removed or fixed before it was able to shine as brightly, which also might be you. That's the power of the mindset. Are we shining, we have the spirit, are we able to shine as brightly with that there or does that need to be replaced? Um, I'm gonna ask you to close by closing your eyes. And I want you to consider those flashlights in which might represent you today. Maybe you've welcomed the invitation to walk with Jesus and let his spirit dwell in you shining brightly and easily. I say hallelujah for that, that's awesome. Maybe you're the one who welcomed the presence of Jesus but you feel like your mindset's off a little bit. It may not be a dollar bill that's in there but it might be an old mindset that needs to be replaced with a new one centered on him. Or maybe you've just declined his presence plain and simple. You didn't think you were being all that hostile and rude (laughs) but you do admit you prefer doing life on your own terms even down to the things of the spirit. You recognize, though, that you're dark and empty, even right now. So let's pray. Jesus, in this dark world, where else would we want to go but towards your light? Lord, I ask that you'd help us shine in a way that helps people find and follow you. Help us set our minds on you and shape our minds to be like yours. We actually give you permission to remove things like that dollar bill, things that keep us from fulfilling our purpose in you, Lord. We agree for your spirit to fill us today. We trust that you're going to give us life and peace like your word promises.